<laughs> Have you seen that Saturday Night Live sketch? It's like Jimmy Fallon, and it's no. him coming back from like a radio uh, call-in show, and it's it's basically the whole funny thing is him doing that at like a higher and higher level until people are annoyed. Okay. I pitch. was I was annoyed after one. Yeah, you would you would not appreciate this. <laughs> But we're back. It's uh, it's it's a new season of the Honeymoon Coffee Company podcast. How do you feel? New year, new year, new you, new season. Uh, I think last time when we uh, when we talked, you were confessing your sometimes reluctance to be put in front of the microphone. And uh, yeah, today you asked me, and I was like, sure. Just got to catch you at the- <laughs> nonchalant. <laughs> just got to catch you at the right time. Yeah, we're in an amazing hotel room. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think I probably couldn't have, but not that I was buttering you up, but if I were to butter you up, it couldn't have been yeah. much better than what we have set up right here. You want to you want to paint a picture of the scene we're in? We are in um, matching bathrobes. Oh, you're going right for what we're wearing. <laughs> That's fine. It's your podcast. <laughs> Zach is drinking. What is this whiskey? Yeah, Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark, his very first mini bar purchase. Yes. Which I thought was cute. That's that's how you know you're in a nice hotel. When they trust you <laughs> with alcohol that's not locked and they know you're you're good they for it at the other your end. Credit card. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But I've seen too many uh VH one behind the music documentaries to, to uh know that good things happen with mini bars, but hopefully yes. this is uh You'll beginning be- of a, a great evening. Yeah, yeah. And we're uh we're going to be heading to a brewery for dinner that's just down the road. So, yeah, we're, we're nice and relaxed. Let's yeah. put it that way. This is the kind of, like, one-day getaways that we've been able to kind of fit into our schedule that help sort of renew our relationship and give us a little bit of space to kind of reflect on the business while not being in the business. Yes. We uh, usually have our best strategy sessions. Yeah. There's something about the driving and then um, like the whole like looking forward kind of thing. And then now we're in a relaxed state. We had a great shower. This is the uh, Coca-Cola Bottle Works factory. The name of the hotel is the Bottle Works Hotel in downtown Indianapolis. And it's a refurbished. Yeah. Highly recommend. Yeah. You come to Indy. It got 9.8 out of 10 uh, rating on uh, Hotels.com. Yeah. I have no idea what the point two is for, but uh, we <laughs> will search. silly, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll search for it. Okay. All right. So I wanted to ask you a question to build off of something that we had uh, kind of touched on in our last episode with Wes. Uh, most of 2023, you know, was building this new building, preparing for it to come. And we used the metaphor of birthing and <laughs> gestation uh-huh. and you know the, the baby's about to get here and we're nesting and we're preparing for its arrival etc cetera, etc cetera. does it still feel that way to you uh or do you feel like the metaphor has broken down in any particular ways it doesn't feel like i'm still in that stage if that's what you mean uh i probably could have asked this question better <laughs> let me let me let me take two okay so, Jessica, you just had a baby. What comes after having a baby? Uh, sleepless nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of feedings. <laughs> sure. Ra- like raising a baby, like as, yeah. as challenging as, you yeah. know, birth is, those I, first few months of parenting are a, a 
Okay, so I see what you're saying. Yeah. I would not say the opening of this location has been similar to that. It went way smoother than I thought it would. Yeah. So great managers, good team. Um, even though we didn't really get a chance to train them, um, since we didn't know when we were going to be opening, um, we kind of had a quick turnaround once we got the clearance to open. Um, but it went smoother than I thought it could have gone. And we don't have to be there for it to be running smoothly. I almost, I agree. I agree with you. And it almost feels like we went from preparing the nest to empty nest within <laughs> like a couple of weeks. Yeah. We had, we had a pretty hairy kind of, um, the first two weeks were tough. We had Black Friday, Small Business Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, we were still working out some kinks, and you and I worked open to close what three or four days in a row after all that construction. And yes. I ended up getting physically sick from kind of exhaustion and yeah. overwork. And I held off a little longer and just got sick this past week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is I nice. I sound a little stuffy. It is nice that we can alternate our illnesses, yes. you know, based on who can take care of whom. So. Yeah, so now we're um, we're in that next phase where it's somewhat challenging because you made it through a difficult time, but you had a very clear focus of what the end vision was. So we kind of met that end vision. And then now it's like I wake up with the same amount of passion in the morning and I need a place to know where do I put my like energy and focus mm. on. And so that's the struggle right now. And honestly some discipline because I feel like we were um, both saying, Oh, we want to work on our own house finally, because we've been doing all these renovations and we've wanted to do some things at home since we moved in. What? How many years ago was that? Uh, it's going on. We're in our, our sixth year right now. Okay. Actually. Six years ago, we said we were going to do these things in the beginning and um, we'll do them right before we sell. I'm sure <laughs> for the so, next person. It'd be real so nice. So Anyway, I feel like immediately I wake up in the morning and I'm just thinking about the business all day and I'm not thinking about these home renovations at all. And Mm. I don't seem interested in doing them, even though I say, I said that I want to do them. Right. And, and kind of technically what you tend to get fired up about creatively is like design, like interior design for your own house you would think that that would be but something since i took everything out of our house to, and put it in the store right before we <laughs> opened our house is like a blank empty shell right now yeah do you um does that surprise you how quick because that if if i'm remembering correctly i had anticipated a sort of lull after we sort of broke through this finish line and that we would need to find something else to um really be kind of like a North star that we're pointing towards. And I think you were in anticipating it would be great to rest. And I it, was, but then I just forgot how much I don't like resting <laughs> 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 until we're struck down with an illness and then we're forced to rest. But yeah, yeah, I think it's been a little bit of a transition time. So I'm looking at our business, trying to look at it with um, fresh eyes and make sure that, we take the time to kind of have the structure in place that if we do decide to jump on another location or do something crazy that we have the structure in place to do so. 
Well, I mean, I know as of the time we're recording this, it's not public news yet. By the time it release, this episode releases, it will be public. So we can we can talk about Ryan. Yeah, so we we did hire, well, not the first time, but this is probably the second time that we've hired someone outside of our organization for a kind of high-level role of director of operations. Yeah, historically, we've always sort of promoted from within, and everybody currently on our operations team has kind of played every role from the, the front line and learning how to make drinks, how to make food, customer service. Which is great because they really know our culture. Yes. So it is always a little scary when you bring someone else in. But just a little backstory, neither Zach or I had food service experience really before opening Honeymoon. And really in the beginning had no aspirations of doing any sort of food. We'd, it was kind of an afterthought. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, but it's turned into a pretty core yeah. part of our business and something we've enjoyed learning about on the go, but really only in our own context. And we we have some ignorance in terms of what other uh, successful uh, industry standards might be. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to be starting in a few weeks. So I feel like our focus now is just trying to get. Well, uh, let me before you before you go into our focus, I. Um, I think it's interesting that it this wasn't something that you strategically sought out. Like, no. Like Ryan reached out to you. Yes. And, um, what, yeah, why don't you kind of share that? So he, this is someone that we have for years said, gosh, we really wish, you know, he was a part of our organization. He's so good at his job. He has passion. He's great with people. Um, we just felt like culturally he would be a good fit. And so he was looking to kind of get out of the corporate world and reached out to me while you were in Arizona with your kiddos doing a trip. And um, I just had like that kind of full body, yes, gut level. Well, yeah, because I remember you called me and said, you won't believe who reached out to me. <laughs> and uh, by the way, we had coffee and talked about it already. Uh-huh. And I think you hadn't even told me like a full minute's worth of the conversation and like how it went when I just like stopped you and was like, what does your gut tell you? <laughs> and, and it was a yes. And yeah. you were feeling good about it too. So. Yeah. All the way across the seriously, all the way across the country <laughs> without knowing any of the details. Like I really did have like kind of a feeling in my body that was aligned. Like, yes, Ryan is, is the right person that can um, take us somewhere. Yeah. Where, where, where we're going is... <laughs> we never know. Yeah. Uh, we tend to always be... I mean, I, I'm just finding that this is probably not going to be our last store opening. As soon as we opened it, it seemed like I was randomly seeing buildings and imagining honeymoons there. And I was like, oh, please stop. <laughs> That's why I said I wanted to show some discipline and know that we need to like settle in get our processes down, get our consistency down, make sure the team is healthy yeah. and make sure that we're in a good place. Well, and it's also not even something that you necessarily have to seek out. We, we've had multiple people solicit us to uh, bring a honeymoon to them uh, yes. in, in, in a way. In, yeah, in different we've, parts. we've already gotten just in the last week, a couple of messages that way. So it's, it's really hard. This is like one of the struggles once you do grow. It's very hard 
to keep your vision, keep your focus on what you know your business is, because people are going to say, oh, don't you want to open one in the bottom of our hotel? Don't you want to open one in our new retail complex, in our new shopping center? And they pitch you on it and they're good salespeople and it's easy to get kind of drawn into that. And in that case, you would be a part of their vision. Right. But for me, it always works better when I kind of see the vision first, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a bit of a control freak. No, that's, that's interesting. Um, because what we're talking about is, uh, maybe in, in this case, like a landlord or somebody who has some sort of affiliation with a property or an area that is uh, trying to kind of sell us on the, the benefits that, that would come from going to that location. And I think the thing that I tend to respond to more is some subjective sense of does that community, that neighborhood, that area, quote unquote, need it? Yes, you do, but you also get drawn in a lot easier than I do. Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, So I always feel like I have to be the one saying no or at least slowing us down. Although I will say you have pushed me. um, Definitely the West Side was not something I was wanting to do yet. And it ended up being something really good for us. Yeah, yeah. I look back at that, that year and how hard it was. And then I, I compare it to some of the sort of empty. I mean, the, the period between Christmas and New Year's is always kind of, you know, people are, you know, kind of checked out. A lot of people take that as like right. a full vacation or staycation. Mm-hmm. But even as we've turned, you know, the page into the new year and realizing all the sort of capacity that we built up in our team, we were pulling our operations team into kind of silly construction things yeah. that, that weren't necessarily <laughs> there. paint a 4,000 square foot building. Yeah. And, and now that we're not pulling them into any of those things, it's sort of freed them up to continue focusing on operations. Like the energy it takes to create something mm-hmm. and the energy it takes to operate aren't necessarily the same thing. And I, I'm feeling that sort of vacuum of creative energy that we can only really utilize right now when there's a a new season we have a new seasonal drink or a new lunar cycle and we have maybe a new waffle but even with that we've built up these uh, menu items that people love and 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 clamor for when it's their turn to come back we've got one of our absolute all-time most popular waffles coming next month and it's not a creative energy that I feel from it. Teaser, what is it? Yeah, all right. So the, the maple bourbon bacon. Oh my gosh, babe, I'm drinking Maker's Mark right now. <laughs> is I, that what you, you use in this No, I think we switched, we switched to Four Roses. But the very first, <laughs> I think the very first one when we were doing testing was I was like, with, this one was totally you. Yeah. I know nothing it, about bourbon. It was really well received. Mm-hmm. And we did a matching drink. Yes. And uh, I think we tried it with bacon in like the drink at first, and that no, did, we not... did. Yeah, no, yeah, we did not. Yeah, little crumbles of bacon. I know that I drank a maple bourbon bacon latte. Oh, I bet at one you. Point. I bet you put it on top of the whipped cream. I did. I absolutely did. <laughs> that and sounds it, disgusting. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, but I guess one of the ways that we are able to be creative with this this time is adding the since we're doing the coffee roasting, uh, we purchased a bourbon barrel. 
Yes, and try that out. Now we can kind of experiment on the roasting side with bourbon-infused coffee beans. Yeah, um, we occasionally get people asking for flavored beans, like the additives that you would add in. Yeah, like syrups and yeah, whatnot. Which we don't do, so we thought this would be a good kind of foot in without actually going into a bunch of artificial flavors. So I, I feel like for me, I got some permission. So I want to talk about Mark for a second. So Mark Michelson is um, one of the best uh, coffee roasters in the world. Uh, he works for San Franciscan Roasting Company, which is the company that built the roasters that we have now. And he is actually coming to Evansville. By the time this comes out, he'll have already been here yeah. uh, to do training w- with us. And Ethan, our, our head roaster, and I went out to Carson City, Nevada and kind of trained with him. And when we were doing that training, they actually had a bourbon barrel that they had beans sitting in. And uh-huh. so I was like, okay, so if Mark is cool with sort of flavoring you know, beans, then uh, that that gives us license and blessing to do so as well. Yeah, and we just did a um, a bourbon tour in Kentucky, and it was great. It had a lot of, it was just super interesting, the science behind it, um, how long they have to age them for, a, a lot of the, the tasting notes that are similar to coffee. Yeah, or wine. Yeah, or wine. Yeah, so it was it was really interesting. Well, and that is, I guess, as we're looking forward to the the next year, that is sort of where we know we want to grow is um, in the, the the coffee journey from the farm mm-hmm. to the roastery, yeah. and expanding the partners <laughs> that we have that we uh, support their farms by buying beans from them, and just just the sort of different ways that we can bring those natural flavors out of beans. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm abs- that, that's probably the, the thing I'm most excited about in 2024 is this, uh, this sort of coffee expansion. Yeah, I agree. I think as I kind of look at my goals for the year, that's definitely one that we are in alignment on, which is nice. Um, <laughs> I've just been kind of going crazy. Like, what are, my, what are the goals that I should focus on? Because I have so many thoughts and ideas going through my mind of things I want to make better. And uh, I think for tomorrow's ops team, I propose that we all um, create Trello cards, you know, on at least one thing that we want to like tackle right now, kind of in our slow season, because January and February are typical slower months. And you want those things to be kind of created by them that they can quote unquote own on their own? Yeah. So like each of us will have a project, whether it's developing a training program. Um, I had the wild hair of wanting to introduce a new menu item. So looking into that and kind of seeing what the logistics of that would be. Is there any part of you that thinks that with the official sort of launching of both companies that we have now that have um, different customer bases, somewhat overlapping, but different. And so I'm the CEO of Evansville coffee company. You're the CEO of honeymoon coffee company. Is there any part of you that that wonders if we will start to grow and operate and support those companies and brands and teams like differently? Like, will Honeymoon be have a little more of a Jessica flavor than than even before? 
It already has a Jessica flavor. Well, I know, but even like even more, I guess. Do you see any wisdom in that? Let let me take it all the way back to the beginning. We talked about the whole, or I talked about the whole empty nest metaphor. Like when couples do an empty nest, they usually find a few things that they like to do together mm-hmm. and a few things that they each like to do separately. Yes. Do you see anything like that maybe happening in our future? Well, you've got me to podcast. We're doing that <laughs> together. <laughs> um, yeah. I also take you to nice hotels and put you in a, <laughs> a nice fancy robe. That's true. It's good stuff. And... Um, yeah, I think I think our relationship is healthiest when we find things that we like to do together and then we have these things that we like to do separately. Like lately I've been really getting into actually roasting myself mm. and learning yeah. the process. And and you love it. In case anything ever happened, I want to kind of I never feel good or confident until I know I can do everything within it. Like every role inside of our business. Should anything happen, like Cleaning the grease trap? I'm going to give that one to you. You know how to do that. (laughs) How about plunging toilets? Also not not good for me. (laughs) I just, for whatever reason, cannot get a toilet unclogged. Oh, poor thing. I know. Just like, you don't know how to do laundry (laughs) or load the dishwasher right. (laughs) Touche. So, yeah, I I don't know what this year is going to bring exactly. Um. But, you know, I'm hoping to have more of these sessions with the team and like us kind of tackling some big, big goals. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to listen back to this at the end of 2024 to know in hindsight at that point what has already happened and what sort of energy you were kind of bringing into this year and uh, what happens. Yeah. We'll have a new president by the what end of this year. What will your biggest goal be for this Wait, year? Did I just say that we'd have a new president? I don't know. We I might, might have a new president. You're talking about politics. I am completely ignoring you. Okay. Some people will care. <laughs> What'd you say to me, babe? I said, what's your biggest goal for this year? I think my biggest goal for this year is to have our team, uh, specifically our operations team, feel very secure in their roles and the ways that they can grow. Okay. So that they wake up every day and they're like, I fit this. And people um, like this do things like that. People like us <laughs> do things like this. So I'm very telling close. you, I cannot get a quote right to save myself. It was it was close. It was close. It was close. I knew where you were going close. with it. I knew you were okay. going with it. But yeah, that's that's sort of my big goal is is for our team to feel empowered and feel like they fit. And I would say it's a boring goal, but one that I feel like needs to get done is kind of getting all of our training program, like very much nailed down procedures, you know, standard operating procedures. And SOPs. Like that. Um, as we grow, it's just, we have, um, I don't know, 58 employees now. And That's insane. when you have that many employees, um, there just needs to be very clear standards. So be trying to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, we'll find out at the end of the year if uh, any of what we were hoping for happened uh, and what we couldn't have even expected. So yeah. cheers. Let's uh, <laughs> that's right. We're going to a brewery next. So cheers indeed. Yep. All right. Love you. Love you.
I as I listen to this this podcast, uh, as I listen back to it, this this first podcast with you and Jessica, I uh, I felt that there was a different energy between you guys. The really, sense, the sense of this sense of peace, this sense of like, uh, yeah, I mean it. I don't know if it's how new parents necessarily feel because we can't, there's a lot of birthing analogy yeah, before, yeah. you know, and like it kind of, there was, there was trying to make that still relevant, but, um, well, maybe that's, maybe that is the empty nest energy mm-hmm. and you do, I feel like you do hear of people talking about the different energy that they experience when they have an empty nest or even like the transition from someone mm-hmm. going from being a parent to a grandparent and they're like oh wow i thought being being a parent was great but being a grandparent is so much better i can get yeah. them jacked up on sugar and just drop them back off at home that's yeah. mom and dad's problem and you're probably right like the the empty nest part too the the like the job has been done you guys were very focused for a year yeah building this beast over on the on the west side and one thing i thought was interesting is that um I just feel this is like hugely. It's got to be very common between among entrepreneurs, high performing athletes. I don't know people who put their mind towards a big goal, yeah. the biggest goal of their life. They put there's a lot on the line. The outcome is uncertain. I, Jessica said something about, um, you know, once you're like once your creative energy is so directed at a goal for so long, when that ends you're not sure what to do with yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. So how has that, how have you guys been processing that? Or how have you been, <laughs> what is that for you guys right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we do we do process things differently. And I, I, I remember actually from uh, an, another life ago when I was teaching psychology, I remember reading about... Um, sort of the psychology of goal setting and what happens after you complete a goal and this sort of letdown effect mm. and was preparing myself for it. And I was like, the, the, the phrase I kept using with Jessica was like, I need another mountain to climb. Like, mm. I know I'm going to need another mountain to climb once we summit this mountain, even while it was uh, a really exhausting season. Um, <laughs> Did you think that was going to be outside of Honeymoon? Or did you think like we're gonna climb another honeymoon mountain? Um, it was it was both actually. Okay. Like I was I was open to to both parts of it. And and the thing with the thing with honeymoon is it, it always has kind of been you know it was Jessica's vision from the start. Um, I've got a friend named uh, named Peter, and he always talks about this idea of every idea, every um, initiative, project has a source, and that's one person. Okay. And you may end up in great situations where you have a co-source, somebody that kind of support the source. Okay. But you only ever have one source. And I do think that with Honeymoon that Jessica is that that source. And so mm. I'm I'm more than happy to be her co-source and and it's something that we've sort of birthed together. You, you know, we'll keep going back to this analogy, but really she's the one that pushed the baby out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, and eh. I mean, it is funny. I feel like uh, maybe there's, it'll be interesting. Maybe later this year, we'll be able to reflect on like, is this a common theme among entrepreneurial 
husband and wives or yeah. partners because with looking ahead at what the rest of the year looks like, including this next segment, we're switching things up from last season. Yeah, yeah. We're doing things a little bit differently. Well, we got that. They got that feedback that we talked about in our live episode where you sort of facilitated. Uh, we opened up the West Side location where someone was really interested and encouraged us to interview other kind of entrepreneurs in similar spaces in our community here in Evansville. And um, I, I resonate with that and agreed with it and even thought that it might be cool uh, just, I mean, that, that just got my wheels turning on all sorts of things that I've always been interested in in terms of podcasts. Uh, but we did have this opportunity to host an amazing world-class mm. you know, individual in Mark Michelson. Mark Michelson. And uh, he was his goal for his visit was to help us get up to speed on the roasting equipment that we had purchased. But we we had him for like two and a half days, and you know we're gonna eat meals together. We're gonna you know <laughs> get to know each other a little bit, and you know we knew that we had this podcast that we were recording. It's like, well, why not? Why not explore and and sort of test out this new kind of uh, interview format where Jessica or myself or both of us. Are yeah. interviewing somebody else. So. And the dude, go back to Mark for a second. The dude radiates positivity <laughs> yeah. and love in like a completely authentic way. And so to see, and and I think of you as being somebody who does that in my life. And when I see you two talking to each other, um, I don't know. I just I think that there was a chemistry, and after having been together for two days, like there was a nice chemistry. I'm glad that you saved that interview for the end after all the all the like work yeah. stuff was out of the way, and like you guys connected as human beings, and it's just a lot of parallels. Hmm. There's a lot of parallels between you guys. I mean, coffee, faith, yeah, yeah, family, love. I mean, there's just a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm glad, and we, you and I, had decided that maybe it'd be best to actually include this in this episode of the podcast. So we're gonna, we're gonna play that next here for people on the audio podcast. But we also recorded it, or excuse me, we filmed it. Yeah. Uh, for a separate podcast that I have kind of committed to because what that was one of the things that we learned from the last season was yeah. Zach loves to do podcasts <laughs> and Jessica kind of tolerates it sometimes. And so this was a way for me to kind of scratch that itch and do something a little bit different. So we'll we'll have that recording on the uh, Zach Parsons Projects uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, we're about to jump into the recording with um, Mark that you were there for. Anything that you remember uh, to... To set people up as, I thought as it was we roll into be, it? I thought it was going to be a talk about coffee. And it was. <laughs> but coffee is just the the shared common interest in, in, in craft. Uh, what exuded from the conversation was this like sense of purpose through your job, through your work. Mm. And um, how somebody like Mark, who's had a really interesting career in different jobs with different companies, starting a company, now doing what he does with um, with the San Franciscan Roasting Company. Like, I just think when I was witnessing, I thought this is way deeper than coffee. This is about purpose. This is about like spreading love and 
so it's awesome just to see Mark spreading his mission authentically through roasting coffee. You <laughs> right, would never. Right, how right. the hell does that work? But one of the the things again, I'll, I'll call my friend Peter out here. Uh, from coffee making to meaning making mm. was uh, was a phrase that he kind of kind of helped me to to land on as yeah. sort of a theme for both that. the the honeymoon podcast and then also this this other sort of personal project where it's like there are these sort of daily quotidian things that we just do every day and then there are these huge flashpoints in your life where you think like oh this is where all the meaning is is this the birth of my child you know this this amazing um exciting happening or tragedy even but it, it it really is a mix of those sort of day-to-day sorts of things. Or if you're kind of looking for the meaning in the mundane, you'll probably find it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, okay. Without further ado, this is you, Zach Parsons, interviewing the man, the myth, the coffee legend, Mark Michelson. Here we go. That sound action. Okay, levels are good. All right, sweet. All right, I am here with Mr. Mark Michelson. Yes, sir. Happy For, to be here. Yeah, uh, I think when you uh, when you came here, you were just a, a, a roaster, and uh, and now I'd like to think that you become a friend. Yeah, it's it's been really awesome just getting to see your heart and your vision and the things that you're doing for your community. It's been a a real blessing to actually be around you and your people because. Genuinely, they show a lot of love and hard work towards the common goal of what you've set out the vision to be. Well, that's it. That's the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, usually um, I've got Jessica here on the podcast and we'll have like one question maybe that we'll sort of riff on. Uh, But I've got a few questions that I thought would be kind of fun to explore with you. I know you've done a lot of interviews about uh, your coffee journey and, and some technical things about roasting as well. So I'll try and maybe cover some new ground, but um, sort of the theme this season is going from coffee making to meaning making. So we'll get to the meaning making part here in a little bit, but in terms of coffee making at your home, you'll be home tomorrow, uh, wake up in your own house on Sunday. How are you going to make coffee at home on Sunday? I do it pretty lazily, if I'm going to be honest. I have a commercial brewer that does up to 40 ounces at a time. And since my wife and two kids drink the coffee too, I have to make a lot. So doing pour overs is just not something that I do normally. So I get a nice pot. Uh, it's called a Be More uh, coffee maker. It allows you to control the temperature. It allows you to control also the infusion, how long you want to wait pre-infusion. And it allows you to do different cup settings for that. And it adjusts to your a- your altitude that you're on. So oh, wow. It's a really great machine that I, I love using, and it produces good, clean coffees. Even James Hoffman did a video about it and said it didn't look pretty, but it did really great as far as brewing really nice cups of coffee. Well, yeah, I mean, doesn't need to don't need to show off any at home as long as it tastes good. This is this yeah. is what you're drinking like kind of every day. Yeah, yeah. And then so that's the the equipment side in terms of like what kinds of beans are you pretty steady? Do you have a, a go to every day, or are you mixing it up? 
I usually mix it up. Um, just like I got some samples from you all, and I'll be drinking that over the week and awesome. just getting to know the coffees better and seeing how they open up and like see the intricacies with them. And so my go-to, if I have a choice, is a Kenyan to wake up. Okay. Because Kenyan coffees are very much grapefruity, lemony. They're really intense in your mm. mouth, phosphoric acid everywhere. And so it makes you wake up in a really good mood, if you will. And then I go to a daily drinker like a Guatemalan or a Central South American coffee that's more chocolatey and nutty and just easier to drink throughout the day. So when you say drink throughout the day, how much coffee do you, would you say you drink on a normal day? Uh, between 40 and 60 ounces. Nice. And in terms of like caffeine, does that affect your sleep at all? Do you have to cut yourself off at a certain time or? Uh, I usually do not drink coffee anymore past five o'clock. Okay. That's, that's your cutoff. Yeah. That's my cutoff. So that's kind of on a, a daily basis, you know, sort of going this from, well, we'll step up to maybe what you do more on a, a weekly basis in a little bit, but uh, tell us a little bit about where you are from and when coffee started to enter your life professionally. Okay, so I'm originally from Chicago, but I moved to Arkansas uh, because we had a lot of, we lived in Chicago proper and there was a lot of gangs inside there. So we kept getting robbed and my dad got sick of the snow and wanted to go somewhere else where he wouldn't feel that he'd be robbed all the time. And so we ended up going to Arkansas and uh, making a new home there. Uh, the way that I got into the coffee industry uh, was interesting and, I, and we kind of talked about it, but I was a pastor at the time and I would go two days a week to a shop that was not, uh, not Onyx yet. Mm. It was a different brand, but it was the same owners and they wanted to do something different. And I kept bringing them coffee from Chicago, whether it was Metropolis or Intelli or Metric or any of them. And they got to know me really well because I would constantly bring them coffees and make them try them. So you could have very easily been an annoying customer trying to tell some some professional small business owner uh, how to run their business. But for whatever reason, that didn't annoy them. And it, and it sparked. But one of them anyway, they were <laughs> that one of them was like, I didn't know what to think of you for the first couple of years. Yeah. And then John was just like, hey. He's like, he's a good guy, and he was the one I worked with. So when it started, it was only five of us using, you know, starting Onyx Coffee Lab. We started in 2010 with being anonymous coffee roasters, and then eventually in 2012, we adapted and we actually changed the name to Onyx Coffee Lab and then branded from there. So it was been 2010 to 2012, we roasted a couple hundred pounds here and there but we weren't ready to go full launch yet because we weren't good enough yet hmm. and so what we did was we learned to cup learning to cup is if you can't cup you can't roast well hmm. because you don't know the intricacies and differences between the coffees whether you get a rough mouthfeel or a velvety watery something that's actually really nice and so we had to learn, John and I both got our Q grader certificates and just started cupping coffees 
every single day. And did you have any sort of experience in, in that sort of educational Q grading uh, world before exploring on, on kind of, hey, we're going to start a business? Yeah, no, I, I the only thing like I have a degree in theology, which <laughs> so you were you were literally you were a pastor. Like yeah. your, your number one thing was being a pastor. And then this opportunity presented itself. It did. And, and the way that it did, it worked out for my family because the churches I was at um, basically could only pay for gas mileage hmm. on my car because it was an hour there, an hour back. And so it made a huge difference. And I, I, I just really sought counsel about it and then felt good about it. And from there, I've traveled the entire world and trained people on different continents in different languages and different people groups. And it's been, I've, I feel that I've done more ministerially as a coffee roaster mm. and educator than I ever did when I was in the church because there's so many more people in the coffee community that are just special people that you can connect with and like become really good friends with. So I, I kind of want to ask a question sort of about like your, your strategy then. So, so you, you felt a calling for, for ministry. You maybe had a, a 10-year plan, a 20-year plan. You thought this was going to be your career, and you didn't choose to go into coffee. You were invited, called into it, responded yeah. to that call. Uh, how hard was it to give up your first calling? It was pretty difficult because I was really confused on what my actual real call was um, because that gets you to start doubting. Like I said, for a, for a bit, I became agnostic uh, and just was, you know, this idea that God was unknowable. And so, like, I just was wallowing in my own self-pity, hmm. really. And then it just, like, one day, like I said, I met a guy that was from Yemen that met me at a coffee festival and said he followed me and he really appreciated my positive attitude and he said you don't have to say you're a christian i already know hmm. and it was just an affirmation that i kept getting from people from all around the world that watched my journey that have watched my journey supported me and just makes it just easier to get back to the community and to be clear, Nate, you're not like roasting coffee and, and preaching to people or something like this. They're yeah. just like, they're seeing something in you that they, they identify as positive, they're drawn to, and they say, this, there's light in this person. Yeah. They're drawn to you in that way. I know I shared this uh, quote with you the other day. It's uh, from Francis of Assisi. You know, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's, it's so neat that you had this sort of strategic calling. This is what I want to do. I want to be a pastor. I want to reach people. And then when you responded to the coffee calling, that's when you're like you said, your ministry really sort of took off and you began reaching yeah. so many more people. Yeah, it, it, it's been amazing. The coffee community is a very complex organiz, organiz, uh, organism. They have a lot of people that believe a lot of things, and I'm known in a lot of circles as, hey, there's the pastor, but they know that I'm a genuine person that love them, and when I tell them that, that's something that I want them to understand, that I want to help in any way I can with anyone I can. Yeah. And so it makes it to where people are more apt to be like, oh, okay, you're not one of those. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, as so my wife and I have been in coffee now for about eight years, and there are certain people that we're drawn to, and there are certain people that kind of turn us off. And there have been coffee professionals that we feel sort of talk over us or 
present themselves in kind of a pretentious way to where it just feels inaccessible and not even very inviting or loving to learn more. And for whatever reason, we could pick up on that from you, even from afar, even from something like Instagram, like, okay, Mark seems to care about this enough to where he wants to share it. Yeah. I mean, I know we're on a podcast right now and, and the person to your right doesn't have a, a microphone, but uh, Tim Piazza, the founder of Evansville Coffee Company, had that similar sort of, I want to share this because it is the right thing to do. And I, if you're willing to listen, I'm willing to teach. Yeah, and, yeah. and that is, uh, I think, something that as Jessica and I grow more in our coffee expertise and Ethan, our lead roaster, and our whole team, I hope that we can continue to kind of embody that and sort of pay it forward uh, with those people that we come in contact with. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can't act like you know everything. Because the moment you think you know something about a coffee bean, that moment it will come next year's season and you thought it's the same varietal, same farm, and you just take a week or two to try to dial it in instead of the one time that you needed to last time. And so it's realizing that I don't have all the answers. Even when you came to Carson City, I made that pretty plain. Like, there's some things that I just don't know, and I'm fine mm. with saying I don't know. But I need to do the research when you ask me because I don't want to say that again. Mm. And that, to me, is just being transparent with people and saying, hey, you're not going to impress us with your verbiage on your company notes. Just say if it tastes like fruit, it tastes like fruit. Yeah. It doesn't need to be, like I said earlier, an apple picked from a thousand feet in the air, you know, by a, a farmer that was dangling. You know, there's just a lot of pretentiousness within coffee at times. And I don't feel that that is something that should happen in coffee. I think they should be welcoming and loving and concerned for their fellow human beings hmm. because everyone has potential everyone has this this inside them to be able to be a genuine good person yeah and like we started out with coffee is this sort of daily quotidian everyday sort of thing that could be for anybody and it can be a great equalizer for people if you let it and yeah. not have something to to lord over somebody else because you yeah. have more expertise in a yeah. certain way uh, so from afar people would probably see your your journey and your rise as you know pretty straightforward and, and you know the growth that you've had can you think of like a low moment in your coffee uh career that, that you'd be willing to, to share that comes to mind i think the low moment was leaving onyx honestly hmm. because like i had been there from the beginning and i was part of its story and i still am a part of its story but that was a very low part because I felt that I wasn't able to give much back to the community at that point. And I just knew something needed to change. But like I was like, but I'm leaving a good job. Hmm. Right. I have four kids. I have a mortgage. I have, you know, car payments. Like, what am I doing? Hmm. And so, like, when I started doing consulting, that was the scariest thing because you don't know when the money's coming in. Feast or famine. Yeah, it really is. But like I was blessed enough to where I was actually having to turn down jobs from people just because there was too much I had to do with going and traveling and and being all over. So that was, I think, my lowest point just because I was like, I want to learn more, but there's nothing else here that I think that I can learn. Kind of had to take that leap of faith and uh, and hope that you would uh, land on on your two feet again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you talked about having the four kids. Uh, since this is the Honeymoon Podcast, why don't you tell us uh, how you met your wife? Uh, interestingly, we both went to uh, a Christian college. Uh, they were doing a uh, Nine Under the Stars, like sleeping bags. Uh, and we just had like this kind of get together and bonfire and different things. Did you have to keep like a Bible in between you and the sleeping bags? I know that <laughs> you know, a, a lot of Christian colleges. Uh, yeah, at least that or a balloon. It has to be between there you. There you go. Um, but no, she, when I saw her, I just like, cha- it just changed me. Wow. Like just something about her. She just was, she was a little fiery. She was really calm and she was really just a beautiful, genuine person. And what was funny that night is she slept under the stars in the cold and I went back to my dorm room and slept with the heat on. It was too cold for you? It the, was too the cold Chicago for, boy? It was yeah, too cold for you? To sleep outside, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is from a guy, you guys can't see him, but he wears shorts 365 <laughs> days a year. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of ironic. Okay, so then you find out she was tough too. You know, she was beautiful and fiery, but also, you know, tough. So... When did the spark start flying? Uh, within six months, we actually really got to like really dating and figuring out like what we wanted to do. I never wanted to be married. I never wanted to have kids. Wow. I didn't want any of those things, but I felt changed in my heart, especially when I had the love for her that I had or have still. And so it just, yeah, it sparked from there. And we got married a year after starting dating. Wow. And now we've been together 16 years married, 18 years as a couple. And like you said, four kids. Yeah, and four kids. Uh, you and uh, the rest of the world uh, went through the, the COVID pandemic a few years ago. Uh, you shared with us that you actually have got it four times. Like it's, yeah. it, it, it's found you. Um, and that's even with all the shots and boosters and every single thing. That, sure, you weren't thumbing your nose at it. You had taken whatever precautions oh yeah. you could, and it still found you. Uh, and you had um, a pretty serious uh, case just in the last uh, six months or so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got hospitalized because my, uh, my COVID turned into pneumonia in my left lung. And really interesting story, but a short story in a way. The doctor that was there did three different tests on x-rays, and they couldn't find anything. So he said, Our, your insurance is going to make us let you go home. But he was like, I've been following you on Instagram for five years, and I know you're Onyx's roaster, or was Onyx's roaster, and I really love your journey. And he, without saying it, he was like, you're too important to die. Hmm. And so he stayed late. And he did a CAT scan, even though the insurance at first was like, you already gave him three x-rays. But he found it, and he came into my room at midnight and was like, see, I told you, we would find you and get you better. And so coffee has opened doors for just that loving humanity, seeing humanity at its best, Hmm. especially in that. Because like you said, the insurance would just tell me to go home. But I was like, my oxygen level is 85. Yeah. You had posted a picture on Instagram with your oxygen mask, and it was, it was scary to see that. It's like yeah. this is this is serious. This isn't. I'm having the sniffles. This is a very serious uh, situation. And uh, again, you had talked about your journey, not necessarily being strategic, but what you responded to that wasn't planned. You weren't planning on getting married. You, you're still happily married with four <laughs> kids. Uh, you weren't planning on getting out of the ministry. Now you found a way to even minister even further. I would assume you weren't planning on getting a very serious case of COVID and having it 
uh, have you face your mortality in that way? Yeah. Would you mind sharing what what that was like and and how you kind of processed that? Because I I was really touched when you shared that with us earlier. Uh, so the biggest thing and the first thing I thought is what did I leave my kids? What is my legacy? What is the thing that that I've imparted to them? that they will become good adults and be able to walk in the way that I had mentioned. And so like, I thought about my own mortality because I had did a funeral for my wife's uncle a month before that had the same thing as me, got put in the hospital, septus in his blood and COVID pneumonia and ended up not ever coming out. And so it really made me aware that I need to spend more time with those that I love and impart those things that I take advantage from because I see my four kids every day, but now when I see them, I'm constantly telling them I love them. What do you need? What do you want to talk about? Let's, you know, it's gave me a new lease on life, realizing that I couldn't breathe and I needed hmm. my next breath more than anything. And I had to depend on other people to get me better. Hmm. And so it made a huge difference in my outlook. Even now in life, it's like that was such a scary moment of mortality and realizing that life is so fragile. But at the same time, the beauty of it is once I got out, I was able to really just connect with people in a more genuine way than I've ever been before. Wow. So we've already established that you're not very good at predicting the future, but that things have tended to turn out well for you. Uh, as, as we kind of wrap up here, what, what do you hope that the, the future has in store for you and your family? I think roaster training still is something that I am really excited about and, and will be excited about for a long time because, again, it's giving back and it's also working with individuals that may not have the best understanding of different things. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. And then also I'm looking forward to um, I want to finish my master's in theological studies. Okay. Um, because I have a degree in theology and they uh, I'm thinking about going back to grad school uh, it's only a two-year program, and so that I can just teach. I want to also teach at college. In in ministry or in coffee? In, in ministry. Okay. And so do both. So you're able to sort of weave in kind of a bivocational yes. identity, still be a father, and just sort of write the kind of professional yeah. life, author that life that, that you want to have. And the college that I went to, Ecclesia College, actually told me if I got my master's degree that I would have a teaching position opened there to be able to teach people. And that's my whole thing is teaching. I love teaching. I love articulating very hard to grasp concepts like we were talking about last night. I mean, we got into some very philosophical type things and it was so good to be able to just go back and forth with a fellow human and realizing like this is important. Yeah. It, we, we were doing meaning making together. We, we yeah. definitely found a lot of topics that were meaningful to, to both of us. Um, for some reason, I know what ecclesia means, which is, is Greek, right? For the, the called out ones, yeah, which, the called is, out ones. which yeah. is the church. The church. And uh, we appreciate that you responded to our call to, to visit us here in Evansville and to, to train us, to share your wisdom, to share your stories. Um, we had to drag you away from the crowd of people who wanted to you know, listen to you after the live roasting event. And uh, 
I'm glad we got a bunch of pictures and we've we've been able to capture this conversation. So yeah. really appreciate you. And like I said at the beginning, I'm uh, glad to call you a friend now. So yeah, me too. Thank you for the hospitality and. I love what you're doing and just keep up with it. I mean, just keep being yourself and you're going to do great. Well, thanks. We'll uh, hope to have you back to see if we either of us were right about what the future held. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to the live show this week. The Honeymoon Coffee Company podcast is a production of the Nectar Podcast Network. It's music by Sam Cuban and editing and production by me, Wesley Luttrell. Thanks for listening to the show this week, and we'll be back again soon.